Hey everybody, welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries and from the Harvest Church. I am so glad that you decided to be here today. And we are going to continue to get blessed by staying in Romans chapter 5. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you have been walking in the blessings of the Lord and the joy of the Lord and the strength of the Lord. You know, living for Christ, there's no other life like it. And like I did on my Shooting Straight with Brad Tuttle short video, there's more. There's more than all of us can do for the kingdom of God, more than what we're doing now. And I pray every day, God, just open up great and mighty doors of opportunity in Jesus' name. And I pray the same thing for you. Um, so we're going to learn something really powerful today. This is probably, I would consider this a truly foundational set of verses that everybody needs to understand because if you don't truly understand what we're going to talk about today, then you don't truly understand the purpose of the gospel um, and, and the meaning of the gospel. And I'm going to do this as short as I can. I, I'm not going to elaborate too much. I just want to make it simple. So the, this beautiful uh, truth comes out of what we're going to discuss today. And uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to title this, Through His Obedience through his obedience. Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 12, and I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. So Romans 5, 12, verses 18 and 19. All right? So let me read it. He says, Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. Verse 18. So then, as through one offense, the result was condemnation to all mankind. So also through one act of righteousness, the result was justification of life to all mankind. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, that's a capital O there, of the one, which is Jesus, the many will be made righteous. So let me read you verse 12 in the Amplified Version. It says, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death as the result of sin, so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power, because all men sinned. Wow. So it, it, it literally behooves us to dig into uh, these verses, this section of verses, uh, because these are the foundation stones of the gospel. These are the foundation stones of the gospel. When you get this, you get the gospel. Uh, let me start off with this very important truth and stay with me on some of these things. I'm not going to make them too deep, but they're very profound. So let me start off this. Uh, this important truth. There are three great imputations in the Bible. What's an imputation? To impute something means to place it on another's account, so to speak. It was used um, for a an accounting an accounting type firm. You're you know exchanging 
you're taking one uh, amount of money out of one person's account and you're putting it into another's. That's what imputation is. Um, and there's three great imputations that the Bible talks about. And the first one is the imputation of Adam's sin to the spiritual account of the entire human race. Imputation number two is the imputation of the sin of the elect to Jesus Christ or the sin of the elect being those who know Christ. It's the imputation of that sin to Jesus Christ who bore sin's penalty on the cross. And imputation number three is the imputation of the righteousness of God to the elect. And when it uses the term elect, that is a term that is referencing people that are truly born again. So let me read those again. Number one is the imputation of Adam's sin to the spiritual account of the entire human race. Two is the imputation of the sin of the elect to Jesus Christ, who bore sin's penalty on the cross. And three is the imputation of the righteousness of God to the elect. So Romans chapter 5 verse 12 deals with the first imputation, the placing of Adam's sin upon the account of all human race. This is a doctrine that is fundamental to theology. This is a vital truth. This is something that you must understand, the placing of Adam's sin upon the account of the human race. We're going to end this more right now. So in this section, Paul teaches, please hear this. Paul teaches that man does evil because man is evil. And the root cause of the sin problem is what happened a millennia ago in the beautiful garden planted by God. So in the Garden of Eden. So Paul teaches that man does evil because he is evil. And the root problem of all of this sin the root problem of sin is what took place in the Garden of Eden. In short, the sections that we're going to read about are a contrast of Adam and Christ. So Adam was given over, Adam was given dominion over the old creation. Remember that when you read the account in Genesis? But something happened. He sinned and he lost his kingdom. This is vital to understand. Because of Adam's sin, now all mankind is under condemnation and death. He was given dominion over the old creation, but he sinned. He lost his kingdom. Now because of that and because of Adam's sin, all mankind, all mankind is under condemnation and death. This is vital. Again, it's vital to understand. But Christ came as the king over the new creation. And by his obedience on the cross, he brought in righteousness and justice, where Adam's sin brought in condemnation and death to the entire human race. Christ's obedience on the cross brought in righteousness and justification. Are you getting the gospel now? Uh, So Christ not only undid all the damage that Adam's sin affected, but he also accomplished much more by making us the very sons of God. So thank God for Jesus coming and doing what he did because he rectified the problem that Adam started in the Garden of Eden. Uh, One great Bible commentator, Oswald Chambers, said this, Just as the nature of sin entered into the human race through one man, the Holy Spirit entered into the human race through another man. That's a capital M there. 
And redemption means that I can be delivered. I can be delivered from the heredity of sin, and that through Jesus Christ I can receive a pure and spotless heredity, namely the Holy Spirit. See why this is so vital to understand. And if you're out there and you're not saved, this is vital for you to listen to and hear because you need to know that what's going on in your life. If you are saved, you need to grab a hold of these truths because you need to have this down in your toolbox of evangelism so that when your first number one, you understand it. And then number two, when you go out and witness to people, you're able to deal with certain questions they're going to have. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, you know, think about it. Have you ever, uh, this has happened to me. Um, you know, you're witnessing to someone and they, and you're telling them this, you know, you were born a sinner and, and they look at you and they look at you a little strange when you tell them that they're a, they're a, they're a sinner apart from Jesus Christ. They're a sinner separated from God by their sin. Um, and then they'll say to you, I've always tried to be a good person. I've joined the church. I've given money to the church. I do good things for underprivileged kids. I give to the poor. What do you mean I'm a sinner? People don't want to be told they're sinners. That's why the gospel is offensive to people. And that's why a lot of people don't preach it correctly because they don't want to offend people. But you're not really, you're not loving people at all if you're not telling them the truth. And people need to hear this truth that they inherited Adam's sin. And something needs to be done about it in order for them to stand before God in right standing. Amen. So I want you to see why God's word, uh, why it is that all men who have not placed their faith into Jesus Christ are sinners. They are in Adam as opposed to being in Christ. So for 27 years of my life, I was in Adam. I was not saved. I was lost. I tried to do good things by not using the Lord's name in vain. Um, I did a lot of other bad things, but I tried not to do that. I thought I was a good person. I never even thought about that. I didn't know anything about anything. But a lot of people think I'm a good person. You know, I, I'm a good father. I'm good to my kids. I, you know, I support my family. But unless you've come through Christ, you're still in Adam. You're not in Christ. You're a sinner, and that sin is separating you from God the Father. But by his obedience, but through the obedience of Christ, there something, this incredible thing took place where Christ uh, activated this opportunity for people to now know him personally and now get to God the Father. So look back at the warning that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, let it says in Genesis 2.16, he's speaking to Adam here. And the Lord commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. Adam had the entire garden, all the trees to eat from. But God said, there's one tree you cannot eat from. Genesis 2.17. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. The problem is, but Adam ate and that moment changed everything. And now we're seeing by that act of Adam, we're going to see that death was not just a physical death, but death here means separation. So he was immediately separated from God by that sin that put him in a state of sin that 
had still not been dealt with by Jesus Christ. The moment that Adam chose to sin against God and eat from that tree, he was immediately estranged from God. There was a death. We see that in the way he hid from God. So that's the way all of us are. We are estranged from God before we know Christ. And this is why it's so important if you desire to be someone that's used by God to go out and reach people. Listen, when you do evangelism, I know people, they do evangelism and they mean well and they want to do good, but they go out and really they make the gospel message just something of just, uh, do you want to accept Jesus as your savior? Yes. You know, really pray this prayer and now you're born again. But what are they saved from? They never tell them when you, when you hear these truths, you've got to be able to bring to them the fact that they are a sinner. And when they go, why am I a sinner? And now you're going to give them what the Bible says about it and understand something. You, people can look at you and say, well, I don't believe the Bible. You know, I don't, uh, I don't go by that. Well, that's unfortunate because the Bible is God's word and it's all truth. So that's why people need to know it. That's why you need to be armed with this truth and this information so that you can be a better soul winner. Amen. It's very important that we're able to show people why they need Christ. Because if you don't show them they're a sinner, they never need see any need to get it to receive a savior. What's the purpose of Jesus Christ? I don't need him. I'm good. No, you're not. You're not good. No one's good apart from Christ. You need Jesus in your life to get to God the Father. So even though Adam might not have understood all that, he separated from God and began to physically die and death began to reign on this earth. There was no death before that. The moment he sinned, death separation aspect of it came and physical death started. Verse 12 again says, therefore, just as through one man, which is Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. This is where this comes down to. It doesn't matter if you've been to church all your life. It doesn't matter if you call yourself a Catholic, if you call yourself a Pentecostal, a Charismatic, a Baptist. Doesn't none of that, none of those labels save you. None of those labels mean anything when it comes to your salvation. You can sit in the midst of church. Sunday after Sunday and be lost as a goose because you're still in Adam because you've never truly come through Christ. You've never really received him, his obedience on the cross. It's through his obedience that we are now able to come through him and get to God the Father and stand before God the Father in right standing. Woo, it's powerful. The creation scientist Henry Morris uh Uh, added this qualifying remark. He said, there is no warrant in the New Testament for the heretical notion that Adam is simply a generic term representing the human race. He was one man, in fact, the first man. Adam was a real person directly created and made by God, and so was Eve. So when Adam sinned, The human race sinned because the human race was in him. Hear this. You need to get your life right with God if you've never come through Christ. If you're still in Adam, you have inherited his sin. Let me read you that statement again. When Adam sinned, the human race, and you're part of that, sinned 
because the human race was in him. When Adam sinned, every person born into this world is born with that inherited sin in their life, and that sin must be dealt with, but it can only be dealt with by one man, and that's through the obedience of Jesus Christ. So to put it boldly, Adam was the representative of the human race. What he did, his descendants who were still in him, did also. So when you talk to people and they go, well, I'm a good person, you know, why, what do you mean I'm a sinner? Because you got to explain these things to them. So when Adam sinned, that the human race sinned. So now, again, when every person's born, you're born separated by God because of that sin that's in your life. You are a sinner and you need Jesus Christ, the Savior. Again, people do not want to hear that. People do not want to preach it. But you've got to preach it if you really love people and you truly want to see their souls converted. You've got to preach this truth. It's absolutely vital. So if someone is still troubled by this seeming injustice of being born with a sinful nature, um, you've got to see then the significance of reconciliation that Jesus brought to us. Paul said that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. So there's a, there's a way to get all things right with God. There's a way as someone who is separated from God by your sin, because you're born that way, because you inherit it from Adam, there is a way to be free of that. There is a way to get yourself right with God, and it's through the one man, capital O, capital M, the one man, and that one man is Jesus Christ. So the sins committed that owe their original incentive to the sin of the first man, Adam, are not counted against those who have committed them, provided they put their trust in Christ, crucified and risen. Amen. God takes their sins and gives them his righteousness. Woo! This is the one thing when I realized this that absolutely dumbfounded me, but also excited me because I realized I used to, I looked at who I used to be and uh, that Jesus died for me and God chose me. And I had my moment of conversion at that moment that um, he gave me his righteousness. That's what happens at the moment you're converted. You're declared not guilty. You're justified. You're reconciled. Uh, you're, you're brought into right standing. He gives you, he clothes you with his robe of righteousness. Whew. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for you. And people need, that's the good news, but you can't appreciate the good news if you don't know the bad news. And the bad news is you need Christ because you're a sinner who needs a savior. So here Paul sets out to show one man's death, one man's death can provide salvation for many. Amen. And to prove his point, he uses Adam to establish the principle that it is possible for one's man's actions to uh, inexorably affect many other people. You get it? So let's move on to our next verses. In verse 18, in verse 19, it says, so then as through one offense, the result was condemnation to all mankind. So also through one act of righteousness, the result was justification of life to all mankind. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. 
so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. So this statement, so also through the one act of righteousness, the result was justification of life to all mankind. In this verse, Paul's asserting Christ that Christ's obedience encompasses all those who've been affected by Adam's disobedience. Paul's asserting that Christ's obedience encompasses all those affected by Adam's disobedience. Is anybody grateful for what Jesus did? Paul does not teach that all men will be saved, but only those who receive the abundance of grace. In other words, only those who are truly born again. The disobedience of the first Adam ruined us. The obedience of the second Adam saves us. The disobedience of the first Adam ruins us ruined us, I should say, the obedience of the second Adam saves us. Wow. One act of righteousness resulted in justification and life to all mankind. One act of righteousness resulted in the justification of life to all mankind, to all those who believe upon Christ as their Lord and Savior. The effect upon my life for 27 years of walking around with that inherited sin at the moment that I believed and repented and trusted in Christ as my Savior, that I now received that one act he did upon the cross um, gave me justification, and he'll do that for you as well. He did it for all mankind, for all those who believe upon Christ as Lord and Savior, and that's the key. One act of righteousness. Every act of Jesus' life was an act of righteousness. Every act. But we're talking about this one specific act of righteousness. So here one act refers not to Jesus' perfectly righteous life, but to his obedient submission on the cross. This one act of righteousness amongst his whole life of righteousness, this one act, this one act this obedient submission to the cross. When Jesus died, he died for all men, without exception and without distinction. His death paid the price for sins. However, the effect of that wondrous death will never be made real in one's life until one personally, by a conscious choice, receives God's gift by simple faith. You're born a sinner. Bible clearly tells us that by the dis, the one act of disobedience by the one man Adam, it brought death into all mankind, death into all the human race, and made all people born sinners. And that is a truth. And that cannot be changed until you have truly believed, repented, and trust in Christ as your Savior. And you're going to know that that really happened because you're going to see your life change. You're going to see things. Uh, you're not going to do the things you used to do that you know probably are not pleasing to God. Well, all that will begin to change. It doesn't mean you get perfect in your walk, but it does mean you start maturing in your walk and you begin to see that by how you live out your life. But let me say this very clearly. 
you need Jesus to be the savior of your life. It's not just going to church. It's not just thinking you're okay. Have you truly repented and believed upon Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior of your life? And do you know that change has taken place? That act truly happened because of the way you see your life having been changed. See, the moment I got saved, man, I was instantly changed. Not everything in my life. I didn't uh, completely quit doing everything, but I started immediately to understand that's not right. That doesn't seem like it would be right before God because the Holy Spirit brought conviction into my life. There's things that Christians do, uh, or they say they're Christians, or I don't know if they really are, but it, it, people go to church that do, that I did before I got saved, that once I got saved, and I see them do that now, I go, how in the world can that be right that stuff I did before I came to Christ, you know, when I did that kind of stuff. And that's what I mean. When you're truly born again, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he will begin to sanctify you. And that sanctification process changes you, changes your mindset, changes your thinking. Again, all of us will struggle with different areas of life, but you'll have the ability now because you're in his righteousness to fight through those things. But you will see change and you will want to change. So you need to know that. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God. In other words, you must be born again. To receive what Christ did, you must be born again. Amen. Let me close with this very simple illustration. It's called the Adam legacy. This gentleman said, our new grandson Jackson had fine features, soft, blemish-free skin, and 10 tiny fingers and toes on two little hands and feet. How could any proud grandpa not see him as a perfect baby? He certainly was a miracle of divine formation. The Apostle Paul, though, gives us a broader view of such perfect little infants when he wrote, Through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. In other words, every child is born into sin and with the propensity to sin. But that's not Paul's final word. He also wrote about Jesus, the last Adam, who became a life-giving spirit. Long after man's first sin, a baby was born who was God incarnate. God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. When we trust Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit creates within us, get this, a new desire to do what is pleasing to God. Let's talk about that. The flesh still has its pull, but the pull of the Spirit is stronger. We just talked about that. In the first Adam, we are all sinners But the good news is that if you have been born again, you now concentrate on who you are in the last Adam. Amen. Well, I share my testimony and have shared my testimony of what Jesus did for me all over the world. But understand something. I don't glorify on my past. I just use it as an example of what Christ did. I got to show to a point who I used to be. And to see the change that came only because of what Jesus did in my life. I was born a sinner. You were born a sinner. 
Your friends were born sinners. Every child is born a sinner. And all of us need Christ in our lives. All of us inherited Adam's sin, but Jesus came to die. He submitted to the cross. It was through his obedience that now gave all of us an opportunity to get our lives right with God the Father if we come through Christ the Son. So again, this was very vital for you to understand when you go out and witness to people, we need to understand Listen, there's bad news, but there's great news. And we got to make sure we give them the whole gospel, the bad news and the good, so they can see what it really means, what Jesus really did on the cross for them. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time together. I pray and hope and believe, Holy Spirit, you can make this very real to those who are listening and who watch this. I pray this is going to be something that's going to arm many believers with the understanding and the truth that when they go out and share their faith with others and they get those questions, well, why am I a sinner? I do good things. They now have the right biblical response. They have an answer. They have an answer for those questions that that are, are, are proposed to them. So I thank you for this truth. And I thank you, God, that out of this, we should all realize and be so grateful to what Jesus did because he made it possible for us to be set free from that sin nature, from that state of sin that we were in. He made it possible for us to be set free of that through his death, through his obedience on the cross, his death and resurrection made a way for us to be right with God the Father. Thank God. God, that God sent Jesus to be our sacrifice, our substitute on the cross. And thank you, Apostle Paul, for allowing the Holy Spirit to use you, to speak through you, to pen these words, to tell us the truth. I pray that all of us would grab a hold of this and go out and be soul winners, the soul winners that God has called us to be. Use us, Lord, for great and mighty things and thank you that you've armed us with truth so we give you the glory and we give you the praise and we give you the honor in jesus name and everybody said together amen and amen well god bless you thank you for joining me i hope this has blessed you today i know that it has blessed me memorize these verses get them down in you so that when you go out and you tell people about jesus you have an answer Uh, for those questions. Amen. God bless you until next time.